We came here for a mission. The snap. Winston sells the play action fake again. Look sideline. Bay route toward the corner. There's a caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans takes it over the shoulder. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Fire the cannons. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Rely on your ultimate teammate, Frontier. Don't go it alone. Visit Frontier.com slash Bucks. Now live from Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Here's your host, Bucks team reporter, Casey Phillips. What's going on, Bucks fans? Happy Monday to all of you. We got a great crowd out here at Hooters on Hillsboro, and I can totally understand why, because we have none other than the Rondé Barber here. I'm putting a the in front of your name. Yes. That's the level you're at. The Ohio State and the Rondé Barber. Thanks so much for being with us. Shouldn't you just use me one name? Oh, that's right. You don't right. even need like the barber, ma- right? Like Madonna, you're yeah. just Rondé. Just Rondé. That's Do you so know true. another Rondé? I don't. That's a good point. <laughs> Although Rondé technically isn't your real name, which I had learned recently. It, it is not my real name. That's that's correct. So there we go. Now, but Rondé, you're just getting to pick it. You and Cher, Madonna, The and, Rock. And <laughs> tuning in now. We uh, missed the first 15 minutes or so because of a technical difficulty, which I hate that we were got to start here with the ring of honor it's coming up this game and for all of you that haven't gotten a chance to get your ticket yet you have a chance to go see him get inducted and see the buccaneers take on the giants it's going to be awesome how does it feel now that you are finally at this point of you've known for a while we had the introductory press conference Mm -hmm. alerting everybody but now the game is finally here the moment is finally here what are your emotions and thoughts like this week um i'm ready for it to be over (laughs) 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 this is uh this is going to be a hectic week for Lots of reasons. Um, uh, I'm still working. <laughs> so yeah, still got a job. I still got a job to do uh, during the week. Um, but I am excited. I have a – I don't even know how many, to be honest with you. Over 200 family friends coming in from everywhere. Uh, a bunch of teammates. I don't even know that number, to be honest with you. Because um, most – usually this this game, this Ring of Honor game is done on a primetime platform on a Thursday night or – Sunday night, Monday night, well, NFL and their infinite wisdom gave us none of those this year at home. So uh, we had to, we had to uh, beg and pull teeth and uh, uh, convince Fox to give me a home game early in the season, which they gave me two, and um, we get to do it at halftime of this game. So in that regard, it's going to be a little crazy, but to answer your question, um, I couldn't be more excited and, and more honored and proud and uh, to be in a place with a lot of my peers, you know, we all know who they are. Uh, Brooke, Sapp, Lynch, uh, Allstott, uh, both of my coaches, Tony and, and John, uh, Paul Gruber, who I played with at the beginning of my career, uh, to sit up, um, on top of the stadium with those guys. That's, that's, that's pretty humbling. And it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And, um, you don't ever, come into the league hoping to be that you know you know it, it, that, that didn't exist first of all when I got here well we changed stadiums after my first year here um, but there was no even there wasn't even the recognition of that so to see it come to fruition and then see those guys go up and then knowing that I was going to be part of it this year is that's uh, pretty awesome it's incredible have you already thought about what it's going to actually be like in that moment what you're going to say are you worried it's no. going to get a little dusty out there at all no <laughs> no I, I've already uh, I think I've already passed the emotional part of of this and uh, reflecting on my my career. Um, I think the in that moment, the best way to be is original and off the cuff and speak to the people that are there to celebrate with you. Um, so there'll be some, you know, 
absolutes that you have to do, the Glazers family, you know, that, all, that, all that stuff, my wife. I'll, I'll have that not locked down by then. But the rest, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say. I mean, if only you'd been practicing speaking in front of people all these yeah, years, know. you know. I'm sure you're going to be terrified and so I nervous. <laughs> I know. I've, uh, I've learned to deal with it. Started, I, I started doing it with this show. Jeff Ryan got me doing radio back in 99. Uh, um, you know, doing Bucks Radio, and because uh, I was a shy kid, nobody nobody believes that. I don't believe that. You're right. <laughs> I don't believe that at all. I, I remember being at Virginia, and them asking me to do whatever. You know, come talk, come come have a camera, uh, talk about your your day. You know, you, you you had a great game against whoever. Let's talk about it next. But I couldn't do it. I was too. I was. Just too shy. So then, what happened? You attribute. There's no way it's all Bucks Radio is what got you to where you are no, now. No, <laughs> I mean it's 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 being forced to do it, right? How did you get good at it? Are you being forced to do it or having a, a a time on task, so to speak, just the reps. Eventually, it becomes second nature. That's awesome. You know, with the Ring of Honor, one of my favorite things to watch every year when it happens is just the, the guys with their former teammates yeah. and, and all being out there and just, you know, acting a fool with each other out there on the field. And, and usually they get to hang out the whole game. You, unfortunately, again, are going to be working. So yeah. you're only going to have that limited time, maybe some stuff before the game. But what is it like when you get together with your former teammates? What are, what are those conversations like and those yeah. interactions like? Uh, hugs all around. You know, oh, I love you, man. God, <laughs> it's been forever. Um, and it's it's genuine. It's true. Um you know, when you're in a locker room with anybody for a year or, you know, five or ten, however many it is, you learn a lot about that person um, or those persons uh, in, in this case. And it's easy to, to go back to then. You know, that's what, what I've always felt. Uh, like, for instance, um, I'm 100% sure I'll see Damian Robinson, who – Bucks fans might remember if they were diehards, but he was a safety that came in with me in ninety in ninety seven, and in that year neither one of us played. We were kind of the backups, you know. We just we were the we were the inactives every week. <laughs> um, but I remember we kind of grew together. He got some playing time the next year, and then the following year, and so did I. And um, uh, and then he left. You know, he, his career went elsewhere. I think he went to the Jets. I'm not even sure. And I only get to catch up with them now. At, the, at these type of deals, and he's always here, and we always talk about those years. So it's we go back to '97 and '98 when it was first happening for us, uh, and that's 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 unique. Um, back before you were just yeah, one name, back Ronde. Before, yeah, back before I was just Ronde. Back <laughs> when was, who's this Ronda? Rondi? <laughs> Randy? Who's this barber kid? Um, so yeah, that's uh, it, it is special. Um, and then there's the guys that you played years with, and you have. You know that 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 infinite connection to, um, you know, unfortunately Lynch won't be here, but Brooks and Sap will. I mean, those are the two guys that I play with the longest uh, that are, that are always here, and um, you know that's a it's a it is a very cool and hard to explain connection or reconnection. And all of us Bucks fans know that not only do you deserve the Ring of Honor, you definitely deserve the Hall of Fame. Ooh. And if that doesn't get well, figured out soon, I know, coming in hot, hot not even a hot take, not even a hot take. <laughs> it's just obvious. So uh, for you, what is it if you're making, you know, why you got into the Ring of Honor and why you should get into the Hall of Fame? Uh -huh. What is it about your career that for people who maybe weren't Bucks fans or didn't see you as much back then, the things that you were so unique and different in and why you deserve both of those things. Is, it, is this a national show? I like that Yeah, question. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, everybody is, here knows. <laughs> take it. Take the platform. We'll just put it everywhere yeah, that we can. No, it's um, – look, my career was without a doubt unique. Uh, and I didn't know that it was unique at the time. You know, I was 
Uh, if you go back to when I first um, got my opportunity to play, and I won't say 97 because I did play in 97, but in 98, uh, I knew the way to get on the field was to do something different, and Monty gave me that opportunity to do that. Monty Kiffin, our D coordinator, as you all know, gave me the opportunity to do that. And we built really a position out of nothing. I mean, um, when you talk to coaches now and the importance of the position that I played then, uh, it was during those years, me and a, a guy, Neus Williams, who is a Hall of Famer, by the way, um, uh, kind of transformed that position into one of importance because before it was where you stuck your third corner, you know, the guy that you were just trying to ease into the game. Uh, but the league started to evolve around early 2000s, and it became a, a, a sub-league where you had three wide receivers on the field. It wasn't necessarily uh, uh, your weakest guy that you could put in there. You had to put a guy with some competence in there. Uh, and at that time, unlike now, teams would still run the ball in that situation. So I became a glorified linebacker is what I, is what I was that could cover up receivers. And uh, I had a lot of help from – uh, Lovey, uh, who was uh, our linebacker coach at the time, uh, and then Joe Barry, who was our linebacker coach after him, you know, teaching me that position, you know, teaching me how to be like a will linebacker, teaching me to essentially be Derek Brooks. Hmm. Um, so there wasn't a drop-off in our run defense when we went into pass mode type defense. Um, so I did, a lot, I did a lot of unique things. And then, you know, before uh, blitzing the nickel was popular, I was blitzing the nickel. <laughs> I was blitzing from the nickel. So, I mean, there was a year uh, early in the season where I was the leading sacker in the NFL because I had three sacks in two games or, so, or something along those lines. Um, um, and it was unheard of. Um, so my numbers were, if they were skewed at all, it was because I was the first person to do any of that. You know what I mean? Um, so if, if I'm making the case because of our success – on defense, everybody wanted to be successful like we were on defense. So everybody was trying to do what we did on defense. And then nobody doing what I did on defense had nearly the success. So I got, I got a good story about this because Barrett Root is one of my, my best friends. When I had my retirement party in 2013, um, after I, I retired in 12, he, he came in later into my playing career here with the Bucks. Um, but when he got here, my role was well established. So played five years with Barrett. Barrett leaves to go to Tennessee. Um, and they're picking his brain about how we play defense. And he had, like, I never heard anybody say this, but he had the best responses because, you know, hey, when, when you guys get this formation and um, uh, running back does this or the receiver does this, like, how do you, how do you guys play that? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, Rondé just kind of does that. <laughs> <laughs> How was he coached to do it? Um, I'm not sure. He just, you know, we know he's going to take care of that. Oh, okay, so, but what if they do this and go the other way and, you know, now it's a different look. Uh, oh, yeah, Rondé takes care of that too. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's all Rondé's job. So, so it was, there was uh, an evolution of the defense that I was completely in control of because I was the first one that was doing this, this stuff and um, – that's why nobody else could figure out how we did it so well. And uh, so I, the, the uniqueness of what I did and then the numbers, they should speak for themselves, I think. Yeah, the 40-20 club, that's, that's rather exclusive. And explain why that is so exclusive, of why, why it is so unique that, as you said, that not – I mean, once people did see what you guys were doing and try to replicate it, it yeah. doesn't mean they immediately were able to. Um, um, well, there was – physically, there was probably better athletes – 
to play the position than me, but um, it's it's an above the neck game. I mean, you don't play as long as I did, and not realize how to play the game before the game actually starts or before the play actually starts. So if you're asking the difference between me and say like um, I, I don't know like a like a I can't think of a guy that was playing a position at the time whatever start nickel for the St. Louis because St. Louis played the same defense that that, that we did at the time um, or Tennessee because they played the same defense as we did at the time. Um, it's that that guy didn't have the intimate knowledge of the defense that I did and he didn't understand what other teams saw in trying to beat that position, whereas I did because. Uh, um, I was I, I knew where I was successful, so I knew what other how other teams were going to try to attack me to make themselves successful. I just studied the game. I knew the game. It was I was uh, I was not a guy that was ever going to be outwitted, and that, that that made me pretty good. And you also had just such an Iron Man streak going. Yeah, that's some great fortune. That is first of all. That's more <laughs> than just great fortune. I mean, yes, that is part of it because freak accidents, you know, accidents can happen no matter what kind of shape you're in, no matter how tough you are. There's just sometimes it's not going to work. But it's, it's. I'm sure not like you didn't go out there and play when you could have potentially I, yeah. sat out and, and been injured. So what were the biggest things that besides luck factored in for you going such an incredible amount of yeah. games where you did it's, not miss a game? It's a great question. And it's hard. It's a hard question to answer because I do believe some of it was, you know, a blessing and not having the major injury, but I also know how I took care of myself um, and the cost that it took and not just financial costs, just the, the time and commitment that it takes to, to, to be available, right? Rod Marinelli used to always say there's a lot of abilities out there. The only one that matters is availability. You know, stuff like that sticks with you uh, when you hear it over and over and over again. Um, so I went through the process. Like, you know, Sunday end, you know, I was taking care of my body Sunday night. And then, you know, the mo different modalities that I use Monday, Tuesday, uh, to go to practice on Wednesday and Thursday and then again on Friday and Saturday to get ready for a Sunday game. I mean, that's it's a commitment. You know, there's other stuff you could be doing, but um, I, I took the time out to make sure that I was ready. Was I hurt when I played? Yes. Is there a difference between being hurt and injured? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's only one time that I was really injured in and played, and that was during our Super Bowl year when I tore my PCL and had no business continuing to play. But I had a feeling that it was our year, and I wasn't about to miss it uh, because of something that I felt that I could play through. And will I have long-term effects of that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Super Bowl rings also a long-term yeah. effect of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the memories. You know, Philly doesn't happen if if. Uh, the play in Philly doesn't happen if I if I take two or three weeks off and you know who knows you know you just don't know you just don't know. That's huge. I love it. We still have plenty more coming up here from Hooters on Buccaneers Total Access with Rondé Barber. This is brought to you by Frontier Communications. We'll be right back. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. What's going on, Bucks fans? Thanks again for joining us here on Hillsboro at the Hooters on Buccaneers Total Access. Such a special guest here with us today, Rondé Barber. And I got the good news during the last break that, again, this is the power of Rondé Barber. We get to go till 6.15 now since we started a little late with technical difficulties. I was going to be mad if we got robbed 
of our time here together. So, so now good. you don't need to hurry. Now I know. You, now, now I don't have to now hurry. You can calm down. Can How about our host? Give it up for Aww, Casey Phillips. Oh, thank you. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Getting praised by a future Hall of Famer. That's Check that off the bucket list. That's all I really <laughs> needed. Um, all right. So we talked a lot about your career and a little bit of the Ring of Honor. I want to hear now we can chat a little bit about the current Buccaneers. I yeah. know that, A, you spent a ton of time out at training camp and you've gotten to do their preseason games. You're going to have the game against the Giants. So you mm-hmm. definitely know this team yes. very well at Inside this point. Inside and out, I do. Inside yes. and out. So, first of all, you've, you've gotten to watch the defensive turnaround. I mean, to go from what they had been the last couple of years to this year is is a huge change so far. What is it that you would attribute that to? Um, first of all, commitment to improving the talent on that side of the ball. Um, I think uh, not that you're discrediting Gerald McCoy's career here, but you go sign in Dominic and Sue. Uh, for whatever reason that is, that's there for, theirs to, for them to know and understand. But then you go and draft five defensive players on defense um, and three of them to a unit that has a bunch of young guys already in the secondary. So th- there's a concerted effort, so to speak, to uh, improve certain aspects of the defense. And you're going to lose Quan Alexander. You're going to draft a Devin White and, and hope that he can help replace. Well, Devin White's going to be a pretty good football player, I think. Um, so from an organizational st- standpoint, you're making moves to address your weaknesses. It's easy to get going to the draft and into the free agency and look at best available players and say, oh, man, that guy, we, I can find a way to make that guy fit into our team. Well, I don't think they did that this, this year. I think they went out and, and, and addressed specific areas of, of need uh, on defense, and then on top of that, I know, I, and I've said I said this two weeks ago during the broadcast, and I'll probably say it again this week during the broadcast. Bruce Arians is a great addition. Todd Bowles might be just as great of an addition to the to this team and to this franchise. He is a special type of coach, person too, uh, if you know him. But as a coach, uh, what he has done in his two latest. Um, uh, 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 renditions of his defense in Arizona, first of all, and then New York Jets, which was already a good defense that he improved when he got there. It just it tells you uh, what he is about, and there there was no way once we hired him that uh, Bucks fans should have not expected what we've seen already. Um, and they, they can get better. I mean, I've, I watch all the film. I watch a lot of practice, like you said. They can still get better. Which is awesome. That's yeah. got to be huge to hear that this isn't even the ceiling. And you mentioned Bruce Arians, and boy, you, you go way back <laughs> with Bruce Arians. And this is great. Right before we started the show, you were showing me this photo of you as a one-year-old yeah. on Bruce Arians' knee. Yeah, how this about that? This is crazy. So <laughs> tell people why that is, why you've known him legitimately your entire life. So I, I like to clarify that and say he's known me my entire life. Right. I didn't really reconnect yeah. with Bruce um, not in a knowing way, you know, a conscious way. <laughs> you know, when you're one years old, what do you remember? You don't remember this moment? I don't understand. Um, until I met him on when he was on Mike Tomlin's staff in Pittsburgh. So that was probably 15 years ago. Um, and then we, you know, we re, you know, talked about the past. Yeah. And you know, my dad and him were roommates, uh, first generation roommates at Virginia Tech. Uh, obviously, he was with his wife, wife Chris, at the time, and uh, my mom were best friends uh, during that time. They were GAs together at one point in, in Blacksburg, and then, you know, you, you go your separate ways. He was in the coaching. Um, we moved to, to Roanoke uh, and just lost touch. Um, but my mom used to always give me stories about 
Uncle Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm like, Uncle Bruce? Who is Bruce Who is Harris? This? <laughs> I, okay, whatever. You know, he's always oh, he coaches for uh, 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 Green Bay, and now he's coaching for wherever. He, he had bounced around the league a little bit. But it wasn't until I, I met him on Tomlin's staff that – uh, that we kind of really reconnected and, and um, you know, kind of have the relationship that we have now. At some point we'll have to ask what some of those Brazilian stories oh, were. I'm God. sure they were delightful. I'm sure you can anticipate what they, yeah, what they, and, what they may involve. It may involved. not be safe for radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you talked about the adding of the talent that they've done, and I know um, I talked to you back at training camp about, especially Sean Murphy Bunsen, and that you mm-hmm. were – so high on this guy. So well, let's talk about especially the, the rookie DBs to start out with him, yeah. Jamel Dean, Mike Edwards, yeah. your, your impressions on those three guys and the impact they can make. They, they all have bright futures, and, and they're all different type of players. Um, I think when I first um, talked to Todd Bowles uh, about the, the players on the defense, the first one that he mentioned uh, was Mike Edwards. Um, and he's like, hey, man, this, you don't know anything about him because not a lot of people know a lot about him, but I think he's good enough to start for us right away. And I was like, Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, you know, this is before we had understanding uh, Justin Evans' injury and how he's going to be out, and you know, but he had that kind of kind of talent. Um, um, unfortunately for him, he got hurt in training camp, as as we know, and and kind of got behind the eight ball a little bit. But he's still still getting a chance to play, and I'm I'm waiting to see um, some of that promise take off. I mean, I know that it will. You can watch him on film and see what type of uh, instincts that he has, stuff that you can't teach. That's 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 what that's how I describe him. That's what he has in abundance. Uh, and then the two corners, you know, Sean Murphy Bunting uh, is as talented movement-wise as as anybody on on the roster. He just he just is. You just you put the film on, you see the foot quickness and the short area uh, ability and uh, the lateral agility, um, uh, and he's got a smooth pedal. He looks polished already. Um, he can run. He's got great ball skills. I mean, you've seen some interceptions that he's had in practice with the one hand or whatever, and you're like, wow. It, 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 you know, the, the catch was impressive, but me, to me, I'm looking at movement, and his movement is, is rare. It's unique. Uh, so what you want out of him is that to translate into games and you know, start using that, your talent for good. Uh, he's a rookie. Just look at the guy sitting next to you. It, it took me a while. You know, to figure out how to use my talent for good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's um, so true. Um, so give him some time. But he's, he's, he has it, you know, and uh, in time I'm sure it will show. And then you, you talk about Jamel Dean, um, freak, freaky length, you know, and a 4-2 whatever speed at the combine. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. And for me, if I'm a coach and I'm looking at, you know, his – you know, his triangle numbers, the high height, weight, speed, um, you're saying this is ridiculous uh, that, you, that you're able to get a guy like that in the third round. I mean, to me, I'm like, I don't know why this guy wasn't, you know, a higher pick. And of course, production matters, and I'm sure that's what other teams are saying as well, despite his impressive combine uh, uh, exhibition. But, look, I, I know what I've seen. I saw it in the preseason, haven't yet seen it in a regular season game, but he's got length. He runs with guys down the field at, with ease. Uh, and he's showcased some ball skills. So the, the, the future in the, in the back end is, is good, well, I think, with Tampa. Uh, and you add that on to Vernon, who's had a pretty good start to this season with a touchdown and uh, a signature play to stop Christian McCaffrey last week and, um, and what, who Bruce Arians calls the best cover guys, Carlton Davis. So, yeah, it's, you should be excited about 
the future of the secondary here. That's awesome. That's huge to hear. Um, how about we talked briefly earlier about Devin White. Um, what have you seen from him so far? And also just explaining to people what all he's being asked to do as the you know quarterback of the defense and how challenging that is as a rookie to be asked to take on that kind of responsibility. Well, the uh, I just saw the other first round linebacker um, uh, this year, Devin Bush, who plays for um, uh, Pittsburgh. I saw them this week. I had Pittsburgh, Seattle this week. And he's not doing that. He's not calling plays. You know, is he playing? Yeah, he's playing, but he's not, he doesn't have the responsibility of calling defenses, taking the whole. I mean, it's a lot for a young guy to, first of all, absorb the playbook, um, which is not small here. <laughs> As you know, Todd's playbook is very uh, extensive. Um, and then being able to relay. That as well as your personality and your attitude and the, your leadership ability to an entire huddle. That's hard. I mean, it takes some guys like three or four years. I mean, I, I, I don't think I ever did it. I don't know if I ever wore the – had the communication deal. And I, would, and I played forever. Um, um, so it's, it's – it's, it, it is unique. But when you meet with him, you see how different he is compared to other 21-year-olds. Right, he just yeah. turned 21. Right, um, the first meeting I had with him, I sat down with him for WFLA preseason stuff, and um, I, I was like, well, how, "How many years have you been in the NFL?" Yeah, right. <laughs> he's so mature. So yes, he can handle it, and he's got a natural leadership quality to him that you just can't coach or you know expect. And they they're fortunate to have him. Now he's going to be out, I think, for a couple of weeks with the uh, with the knee injury or. Um, um, but I, I'm excited for him. He he has the look. You know, we've had some athletic linebackers here before, middle linebackers, I should say, or inside linebackers now in this 3-4 defense. We've had some athletic guys. We really haven't had a guy that looks like him. Thick, um, you know, ham hocks of legs and, you know, strong build that is physical in the run game. Can he get better? Absolutely. He, he's got a – learn to read the run better he's got to learn to uh, not always look for blocks so you know sometimes you just run and make tackles he's got to find some patience um but i he's a great tackler he has a nose for football he has a nose for making plays and you know i think when he gets healthy and more time on task again you know i think you'll see some some good things from him we're talking a legendary buccaneer ronde barber so how about with the idea of missing jpp when we all found out he was going to be out for a significant amount of time it was very very sad yes. um so yes. how do you approach when you lose somebody as unique as him as um as impactful as him how do you go about trying to make up for that and then what have you seen so far in terms of have they been able to collectively make up for that especially yeah. with guys like shaq barrett yeah well it's easy to talk about shaq this week yep. he had three sacks you yeah. know uh and i and i was uh uh I would have watched the film anyways, but I watched it early. I have to watch Bucks films early because I do a, a hit for, uh, for, your, for your website every week. And it was back-to-back -back plays. I think they would play 48 and 49 in the game uh, where he had sacks. And what impressed me most or pressed upon me most was the manner in which he got both of those sacks. One was uh, uh, speed, use, hand usage, uh, ripping through, stepping through, and taking the corner of the, of the, of the tackle. The very next play, it was speed, stutter, and he ran through the tackle. It was two totally different ways to get to the quarterback, and he did it. 
I texted uh, Jason Light right after. I was like, hey, good call on Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, right? <laughs> good, uh, good job. Good idea. Uh, good idea. Um, and so do you replace a JPP, I guess, if, if, if that's the question you're asking? No, you don't. He is a proven uh, sacker. And he can get to the quarterback in a lot of different ways. He's never played as an outside linebacker, though, JPP. So what, what would he have been? On third downs, he would be the regular JPP. But there's also first and second down uh, uh, mode that he needs to learn still. I mean, I guess I guess last year in New York or two years ago in New York, he played a little bit at stand-up guy. Um, but um, when he comes back, they, they'll have depth, which is good because we know what Carl Nassip is. He's a try-hard guy, probably has more skill than people want to give him credit for. Um, they love uh, um, uh, the rookie. Um, Anthony Nelson. Anthony Nelson uh, missed all the training camp, so you never, never really got a chance to see what he was in preseason games. Um, but they, they, he was another guy that Todd told me, "Hey, look, man, this guy, he's got starting ability. I mean, he's he's better than you think he is. I know he's a fourth round pick out of uh, Iowa or whatever, um, but he can he can play." And I was like, "Okay, I trust you." And then saw him play last week, or at least I saw him on film this this past game, and I'm like, "Yeah, this guy can play. He's got good length. He's he's strong." Um, uh, he has that hustle gene in him. Um, and when his skills start to improve, you're going to see some a lot of production from him. So, yes, you've, we found ways to, to make up for JPP, but it, it'll be better when he's back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just, be, just because. Just because he's, he's, JPP. he's JPP. That's awesome. All right, we are just past the halfway point here with Rondé Barber on Buccaneers Total Access. Plenty more coming up here from Hooters on Hillsboro. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. We'll be right back. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Hey there, Bucks fans. Thanks again for joining us on this Monday afternoon. We are here live from Hooters on Hillsborough. We are here every week from 5 to 6 p.m. We are getting to go a, a little bit longer than normal here because we had some technical difficulties at the beginning. So we're going to be going all the way till 6.15. We are joined by none other than Rondé Barber. Rondé, thanks again for being with us. Yeah. Well, let, just to clarify, Casey did not have technical difficulties yes. here. Thank you. Other people did. I appreciate that. I appreciate – see, this is why you're good at Taking defense. Taking care of you, man. Good at defense, right? Taking care of you. <laughs> Taking care of you. I love it. That's what you're here for. All right, so we uh, we talked a little bit about the defense for the Buccaneers. Um, it's, it's been interesting how the, the defense has been the leading story these first couple of weeks. We'd been used to mm-hmm. the offense being the group that was carrying the team a lot of the week. So um, they've been off to a little bit slower start than I know they plan, they think they're capable of. Yeah. So what have you seen from the offense so far and what's kind of been holding them yeah, back? Yeah, there's, uh, there's been some – you know, came into the season with a lot of questions, right, about uh, Jameis, um, uh, all his all of his weapons at his disposal, whether or not he would be able to utilize them. But most importantly, would the quarterback whisperer coach uh, be able to fix him? And I, I really liked what um, Byron Leftwich said about Jameis. Yes. Um, so when people have put um, – those expectations on him and he hasn't lived up to them it, it, it's it's tough on him can he be better he, yes he absolutely should he cannot turn the ball over three times in a game and expect to win a football game it just doesn't happen in, in the nfl um i thought he was uh much better last week than the, than the week prior and for a couple of reasons one he wasn't in a situation where he was being forced to try to come back in a football game over the course of his four years 
I mean, I'd have to go do the research. I asked my guys to do this week one, but they weren't ready to present it. Uh, how many times he's been behind? What is his time behind in football games? And when you're looking at the number of interceptions that he's thrown and the number of mistakes that he's made, it's because they've been pressing. They've, they've always been chasing the game. And I, I'm a big soccer fan, obviously. So you go down one goal or whatever, you, and that, that seems like a lot in soccer. You start chasing the game. Um, you know, you're down two or three touchdowns in a football game or 17 points in a football game. You're chasing it. And so – in, in, in soccer, if you make the analogy, when you start chasing it, you put your, you're vulnerable, and it's kind of been what I've felt about the Bucks for the past couple of years. They're just chasing it too much. Um, and I think their intent this year was to get better around Jameis. So the question we answered in the previous section uh, uh, segment, fix the defense, get better on that side of the ball so you're not always chasing a football game, and that'll help the other side of the ball. Now, the reality of it, they made a lot of mistakes in week one, a ton of mistakes in week one. Those mistakes didn't materialize in week two. Were they explosive and everything that we, you know, were hoping uh, of this offense? Not, not really, but they were uh, methodical. Uh, they took time to run the football, uh, which I love, because uh, I don't think there's a better way to help your quarterback, especially a guy that is prone to mistakes, than running the football. Um, and then once that starts to establish itself, then the Mike Evans and the uh, 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 Chris Godwins and the O.J. Howards, there are opportunities open up. I mean, we haven't heard from O.J. yet. I was year. just about to ask. Wait, wait, I mean, I, I, if As you someone who if, has him on yes, other fantasy yes, I was just going to say, if you have him on fantasy. Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> you have nothing right now. I, yes, right? big old goose egg this and, last week. And there is no question that he is one of the most physically gifted tight ends in football it's just without question i've seen them all i've, I've been to every facility I've, you know met with most teams i've watched all, almost all these practices there's not a guy that looks better physically than oj howard we know what type of athlete and type of receiver that he is and he hasn't even gotten going yet he's week two and uh, how many catches does he have one two I don't, I don't even know what his numbers are um so there's more there um but it, it t to me it does start with the quarterback it, but uh uh, more importantly, it starts with how do you utilize Jameis. And um, I think Byron did a great job in the preseason getting guys ready and acclimated to use this offense to his best ability. Uh, give this some, a couple more weeks, and I think that will start to show during the regular season. We're talking to former Buccaneer Rondé Barber. So we, you, you talked about how important – getting the run game going is for a quarterback and and the running game was a an area that bucks fans were curious about this year would rojo become yeah. who we felt like he could be how was the offensive line going to look in terms of helping him out because a lot of people said that part of his issues were that he was getting hit before he ever got to the line of he scrimmage was. And he a little, was yeah a little, little tough at least. to get going there so how have you felt about the run game overall looking at both peyton barber and ronald jones and the offensive line well first of all peyton uh, peyton is the type of runner uh, i like him as a runner because of the manner in which he runs the football. He has an intent when he runs the football. I mean, it's, it's I, I, I described him uh, two weeks ago as having loose hips. He has like a little guy hips, you know, because he can really change direction and jump cut, quick jump cuts, little swivels, stuff that's so like uh, subtle that if you're not really paying attention to it, you don't even notice it. But I notice it because I've played against guys like that. And they're hard to get a beat on because there's, just they have this little shiftiness to their running style. And then you add that in uh, his ability to finish downhill and forward. 
you're like, man, that, that dude's a tough tackle, man. And uh, if you give him just a little bit of room, his speed and size show up. Rojo is all that and more. And he's got way more explosiveness. Um, I, I was laughing during the offseason and the preseason when I hear him talking about, yeah, I gained weight and got faster. I'm like, yeah, right. Sure. Sure, dude. That's how it works for all of <laughs> us. Yeah. Everybody, everybody does that. Yeah. Uh, and then you put the tape on, you're like, oh, damn, he did. <laughs> he just must not have done it by eating ice cream. <laughs> exactly. that's, that's the flaw on the yeah. plan. We all do it by eating more, consuming more bad calories. He, right. might, he must have done it the right way. Yeah. That, um, but, that doesn't sound very fun, though. So I, th- I think week one. You saw what Rojo was, and I think a lot of people have all these, you know, unfounded questions about him. I, and to me, he answered them. He's like, you know what? Here's what I really am. Um, you know, last week he didn't get enough opportunities to showcase it, and that was a really good front seven in Carolina. Um, but at the end of that game, when they had to run the football uh, and they had to get that one touchdown that that, that uh, Peyton Barber scored on. They're comfortable turnaround handing the ball off. I think that's the most important thing you should take away from the running game. When they've had to turn around and hand the ball off, they're comfortable doing it. I know years past, they were not. They just did not. If they were, they just did not. Uh, it was a, uh, a pass-first offense. And I, you know, a previous head coach told, told, told me, hey, man, our best players are our receivers. We're throwing the football. Yeah. Um, and uh, you would think that Bruce Arians and – Byron Leftwich would come in with their no risk it no biscuit philosophy and be the same way, but they're not. You know, they, they are a run team. I did games with Bruce Arians when he was in Arizona. They want to run the football. That no risk it no biscuit is something that they want you to believe. They want other yeah. teams to believe that that's what they're going to do. But in reality, they are still a run the football, play action pass. They're going to take some calculated shots for sure. They're going to throw the ball down the field, five step drop, and the ball's going to be loose. They're just going to loose it. Go get it, uh, Brashad Perriman. You know, go get it, Mike Evans. We saw that last week. There's just Jameis hit his back step, found uh, uh, single high safeties, and Mike Evans on um, uh, James Bradbury and said, "My guy's better than your guy. Mm-hmm. Go make a play." So that part of the offense is in there, but uh, I do believe they strive to be balanced. And um, uh, Casey and I think you, you remember this: the first game, the, the first game that Byron called in the preseason this year. Chris Myers and I, who were doing a game together, we're sitting there going, "Man, this is a good drive." And I'm like, "You know why this is a good drive? Because it's balanced. It's, it was, I think, at the end of the end of that drive, it was 12 plays. It was six and six. And you're like, "That's what it should look like." Yeah, that's, that's what that's what good offense looks like. That's a great point. And speaking of you and Chris Myers and, and your broadcasting career, we talked a little bit about your playing career. Wanted to talk about your broadcast career as well. You talked about you were shy when you were younger and that you this yeah, is not like you grew up thinking gone. this was the whole plan yeah, long long gone way in the past so what was it that finally made you decide this is what you wanted to do yeah. after your playing career yeah um so there's a executive at fox named well john lynch did it right um right after he finished retiring and i believe he he told them that hey i think ronnie would be good at this you know you, sh- you guys should ask him and how this happened so every friday or saturday you meet with the broadcast team in those production meetings or whatever. And it, almost all the producers are still producing from when I was playing are still producing now. And I'm like, man, you were great in the meetings. You're, you know, talkative, open, honest, you know, all, all that stuff, affable, <laughs> uh, fun, you know, uh, you, you might, you probably be good on TV. Um, so there's an executive from Fox name is Jacob Bowman. He on his way to Daytona every year. Cause Fox is a Daytona 500 and, and, uh, and, um, 
in Daytona. Uh, he would stop in Tampa, or at least my last three years, he stopped in Tampa and took me out to dinner. And I don't know if it was necessarily a recruiting issue or if he was just trying to gauge my interest. And after the second year, I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd think about doing that. Um, so my second to last year, Casey, and this is unique, although more people do it now, I, my bye week, I went to Jacksonville. Uh, I think they were playing the Giants, actually. And I called a game. Uh, it was in a separate box. Nobody, it didn't go live. It just went to tape, and then the executives looked at it and like, hey, you know, might want to do it. That next that next summer, prior to the year I actually retired, I went out to L.A., and I did a test game in L.A. with Chris Myers and decided then that, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. That's awesome. When I'm done, I want to do this. And uh, seven years later, I'm still doing it. Yeah, pretty dang good at it as well. All right, we still have one more segment coming up here with Rondé Barber. We're going to talk a little bit more of that broadcast career and his thoughts on the league overall. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll have more from Hooters on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues, brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Hey there, Bucks fans. Thanks again for being with us on a Monday afternoon here live from Hooters on Hillsborough. We're here every week from 5 to 6. Come get an autograph, meet a player, take some photos. Man, it is so awesome. Every single commercial break, we've had so many people coming up here for autographs and photos with Rondé. Uh, you're, you're still rather popular around these parts. I don't know why. I'm just an old has-been. <laughs> yeah, sure. Done it. It, it, do you is that a big part of, of even enjoying still living in Tampa is that it is the place that everybody knew your playing oh, career yeah. and appreciated that? Yeah, for sure. Well, Tampa's a great place too. Um, you know, if you can bear the as we all know, if you can bear the three months of in ridiculously hot temperatures, it's <laughs> so worth it. So yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I love it here. That's awesome. And we started uh, in the last segment talking a little bit about your broadcast career. What was the hardest part of the transition from player to broadcast booth? There's some things that maybe you didn't yeah. even expect. Um, the the routine, you know, reestablishing a routine. I, it, this is fun, it's funny you ask that because every week and now seven years into this with Fox, I'm kind of used to it. But every Monday or Tuesday, I'd go into the office into one buck and I'd have uh, a breakdown. You know, coaches, they grind. You know, coaches spend so much time in the office getting ready for their what to present to their players. You know, cut-ups of first, second down run, first, second down pass. You know, third down, uh, the one to three, third down, five to six, third down and long. All those cut-ups are just, they're in there. And you're just like, oh, man, yeah, that's great. I just go in and click through them and run through them. And, yeah, okay, I know, I, know, I know how to prepare myself for the game. Yeah. You know, thanks, coach. <laughs> so you retire, and uh, there's none of that preparation. Yeah. It's like I got to figure out how to do it myself. I, 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 I equate it to uh, them throwing, in you, throwing you into the deep end of the pool and say, having never uh, been in water and say, just go swim. Yeah. You know? It's like you've been looking at the pool your whole life, and then they just finally throw you in. Because it's kind of what it is when you're a player and you're broadcast. You know what it, you know what it is. You know what the broadcast is about. We all listen to it. Uh, but then they say, well, go do it. You've been looking at it. Good now, luck. Go, now go do it. Good luck. Did you, we've seen so many players retire and then unretire. Was there ever a point when you were feeling that itch to come back, or were you, you retired Heck and you were good? No. Heck no. No way. <laughs> No way. So why is that? Why was that different? For a for lot you? of reasons, but yes, I was I was done. I, um, to put an analogy on it, uh, uh, I, the the bus was old and the wheels were falling off. 
like, are you going to try to put new wheels on this bus and go yeah. and go for one more, you know, one more, one more round, uh, lap around the city, or are you just going to retire the bus? Yeah, it's just, toast. It's, it's been done. totaled. It's done. <laughs> it was done. I, I, you know, I, I'd done enough. I changed positions that last year too to safety, which I. I really enjoyed, actually. Um, you know, playing 15 years in the league at corner is not an easy thing to do. Um, but playing my 16th year at safety, I probably learned more about football that year than I did any of those other years. For one, because it was a new defense, and two, because I was playing an entirely new position with new responsibilities and, and everything else. And um, Jeff Halfley, who was, you know, he's now the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, he was my my safeties coach and I mean he was he was a rookie NFL coach and him and I kind of went at it together it was it was it was fun you know I I did enjoy it um but I knew I knew I was at the at the at the end uh going into that season uh and Mark Dominic and Greg Shiano who was our coach at the time had convinced me to come back and you know need the team needed me with young bunch of young guys and I think I was the only person on the team over 30 uh, you can fact check me there but I'm pretty sure I was the only only gray beard. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, knew, I knew it was time. So how about – we all know you played incredible. You're an amazing broadcaster. So let's look at – do you have the most embarrassing moment on the field as a football player and as a broadcaster? Do you oh, have some I, embarrassing I, ones? I have perpetual embarrassment mom, <laughs> embarrassing moments as a broadcaster. That happens <laughs> weekly. Are you kidding me? That's kind of fun, actually. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind it. Yeah. You know, I'm not, not thin-skinned. Uh, I, I embrace it. Um, on the field, um, I don't know. At, in, in the back of my mind, I don't feel like I ever got beat for a touchdown. So, yeah, getting beat is one of the embarrassing. Uh, you know, looking looking back, there were some, some matchups where guys embarrassed me, like Randy Moss. Well, he that's fair. He embarrassed, <laughs> he embarrassed me a couple of times. Just in, <laughs> Did you get mossed at any point? Did yeah. I? <laughs> the question is how many times. Yeah. I think if you played against Randy, it, it's not did you. It's who got mossed the least. And I, I don't, I don't know that I, I, I don't know where I fit on that list. But I, I definitely got, I definitely got mossed a couple times. There was a, um, there was a time I remember um, uh, we're playing Detroit and Calvin Johnson was there, and Monty puts us in three deep. So it's me and Calvin one on one, essentially down, down the right sideline. And I was just like, man, this ball's coming here. This, he's, and, and I'm like, I'm running down the field. Because I know they're just running a takeoff. They're just going to try to big boy me. And he threw the ball. Calvin went up and got it. And I was like, Bonnie, what do you want me to do there? <laughs> what do you want from me? What do you need from me? I can't, I can't beat this dude. On, in, on that particular play, if they want to do that every time we're in this defense, they can do it. Um, but I wouldn't say I ever had any like really embarrassing moments, um, um, which is which is probably a good yeah. thing. Sad for or at least the at least the ones that I don't uh, don't remember or want to want to share. Want to share? That's fair. We have about a minute left, so tell us That's here. It? That I know time flies when you're having fun, right? You talk too much. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I get paid to talk. That's it. You too, too. This is the problem when they took put two broadcasters on here. Um, so hardest wide receiver you ever had to go against? Was oh, it? without a doubt, Steve Smith. Really? Without a doubt. And why? Uh, because Steve was just like me, uh, undersized, you know, not very highly regarded before he became highly regarded. And he had a, as big a chip as I did on my shoulder, and he was willing to outwork you. Um, he, he, was, he was a special player, man. Um, 
I, I think in the in the history of the league, or at least the history of the time that I played in the league, there there wasn't a more ferocious competitor. There may have been, but I played him twice a year, uh, and, and I watched a lot of his film, a lot of his tape uh, with other playing against other people. And the way he went about his job was very unique, and he was tough to deal with. He was he was one of the few guys that didn't have the size quotient that we had to change our defense for. We had to find ways to take care of the things that he did. And uh, uh, he, he, just the, from the competitive aspect of it, he was he's easily the toughest. Now, who was the most athletic? It was Randy. Randy was impossible to deal with. I mean, he was just he was a freak. Terrell Owens was a freak, you know, physically. Uh, but in terms of my toughest competition, it was definitely that dude. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to that Ring of Honor segment. And next thanks to all of you for listening tonight. We'll be back next week for Buccaneers Total Access. Brought to you by Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio. <laughs>